And once again, moms, happy Mother's Day. So, yes, yes, it's appropriate. I want to tell you, as a man that for more than 30 years, I have longed for the ability to call my mom on Mother's Day, call your mother, all right? Call your mom. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is also the day then we the day that we celebrate baptism. So we are going to gather around baptismal pool and re, be reminded that New Testament baptism is a picture. It is a picture of our identity with Christ and his death and resurrection. It is an outward display of an inward reality. It's a public profession of faith where believers, young and old, declare, I am a follower of Christ. I belong to God. But being a follower of Christ may not actually be very clear to you. You may not actually know what the being part is. What does this imply about what you are to be? You have questions like, what is it that happens when I trust Christ? What does God do? What happens spiritually? Which may not be immediately evident. And on top of that, the work that God does. What does this mean for how we actually live? Are there implications for what we are, again, to be in light of what Christ has done? Second Corinthians chapter 5, let's look at verse 15. We're going to look at, uh, the sentence um, begins oddly with an and in verse 15. Because it's tied back to verse 14, but we're going to pick up at this verse 15. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And verse 21, which we're not going to read, is the heart of the gospel. And there is no way in 15 minutes that I can do justice, nor anyone could do justice to all that the Apostle Paul would have us see and grasp from this text. There's a lot here, but there are some things that we needed to be reminded of. And whether you are a faithful follower of Christ or you sit here and you've not quite made up your mind about Jesus, I want you to know there are some things that God wants all of us to know, to understand that when you trust Christ, 
New life is yours. Why is this important? Because most of us live our life as if, as if all that there is is what is happening around us right now. Paul is saying right here to the Corinthian church, and he is saying to you through the ages, your life is meant for so much more than what you can see. So much more. So I want to show you three things quickly. Number one, when you follow Christ, you get a whole new purpose for how you live. And what I mean by that, how you live, part of how you live or what you do on a daily basis, that impacts how you think. And also how you think impacts on what you do. And sometimes the first becomes in front of the back. Let me give you an example. When I began uh, in times of my life when I was faithful in exercising, it's typically around time when I'm carrying too much weight, I'm carrying a little bit too much weight right now, all right? And here's the reality. I can either think myself into being thin or I can work myself into being thin, right? So if I start working out, I may pant like a dog, but eventually I'm going to think new thoughts. But it's also important to understand how we think impacts how we live. Paul wants you to think accurately. Don't think like Brian Fannin did. Some of you know me well enough to know my history. I grew up in a working class, poor family. My dad worked extremely hard for us. I never missed a meal, praise God. But it didn't take me very long as a teenager to figure out that that's not what I wanted. I wanted something else. So what I did was this. I made it my objective to live for all that I could get, can all that I could get, and then sit on the lid. Some of you know what that's like. Your focus is on you. But even then, I understood something. I began to quickly understand, even in the pursuit of all that, ultimately that is empty. Your heart longs for more. Why does it long for more? Because you were designed for more. You were designed for so much more than any dream that you have for yourself, something greater than you, any dream that you have for wealth, fame, to be loved, job, vacations, personal beauty, whatever it may be, you were meant to be more than living for yourself or living for your wife or living for your children, which is one of the biggest rabbit holes any of us can get sucked into. God designed you for more. And the American dream, because of where we were born, is a blessing. But it's not something that everyone's going to achieve. But God's dream is so much better because it's purchased by him and given to us as a gift. Your purpose is more. Your purpose is to be a beloved object of God's grace. That ultimately gives him glory. Do you know what God's passionate about? 
God's not passionate about your dreams. I'm sorry. He's not. God's passionate about his glory. And you ought to be happy about that. Because you and I are benefactors of that. And him being passionate about his glory, part of that is the mercy and grace that's going to be poured out on those that trust in him. Becoming his adopted children because of the work of Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. God gives you what you can never earn because of his great love for you. When you follow Christ, you also get a whole new perspective on people. A new perspective on people. Verse 16, you'll see there, even though once uh, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What does that mean? He regards no one according to the flesh. First, what that means is generally when you look at other people, how you think about them. You and I should never be as God's people, as the redeemed people of God. You should not ever be sizing up people based upon the color of their skin, their nationality, and whether they're male or female. Never, never. Let me bring it close to home. God's done so many good things in our lives, but it just shows you how fragile we are. God's people should never be individuals or as a group that we ever size anybody else up or determine anything about them based upon whether or not they have cloth over their face. Don't do it. We're called to so much more. We're called to be so much more. In fact, Paul was basically saying to the Corinthian church, don't be like me. Don't look at Jesus or anybody else for that matter and regard them based upon what you see or what you think you see. The book of Proverbs chapter six says this, there are things that God hates. Do you know at the top of the list of seven things Haughty eye is number one. You know what a haughty eye is? A haughty eye is that inclination inside of you to look down on other people and to judge them. Repent. All of us have room to repent when we do that. Second, how you look at Christ. He's not just a man. Paul's basically saying he is the God man and I regard him one way and I was wrong. Where you, what you do with Jesus has eternal complication uh, or eternal ramifications for your life. You will make a decision about, like the Apostle Paul, is Jesus just another man? Is he a fraud or is he King of kings and Lord of lords? All of us must reckon with that. And not only about Jesus, but all of us. Our flesh, our backgrounds. Paul is basically saying, when Christ becomes king in your life, we're more than our victories and we're more than our mistakes. We're both flesh and we're spirit. 
both physical and spiritual. And everybody that you look at, you need to understand. People are in one of two areas in their life. They are either born anew by the grace of God or they are in desperate need of Jesus Christ to change their life because they're spiritually dead. Paul's exclamation really here is this. Don't be flipping about Jesus. Don't regard Jesus or anybody else according to the flesh. Third, I want you to see this. Because of your spiritual position in Christ, you are a new creation. That's verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Some of your translations may say he is a new creature. Now, I want to illustrate what I'm talking about here. In 2005, I, for the first time in my life, I purchased a new car. Not a new car to me, but a brand new car. I mean, like, brand new, no miles car. In fact, I was, I have the claim of fame that this brand new body style, I was the first one sold in Northern Kentucky. It was brand new. Black, with tan leather, German engineering. Just remember this, I wasn't pastoring then, all right? (laughs) And don't get too excited, it was a VW, okay? (laughs) And I brought that car home. And my wife, my wife is so great. Anything that goes well in my life, she celebrates. Buy this car, we're going to celebrate. She takes me, drops me off. We have three kids at the time. She drives home. My wife does not go into the house. She waits in the driveway with all our our beautiful kids lined up there from four and a half on up. All right? And as I pull in the driveway, everybody's smiling and happy, and I'm really happy. But I catch something out of the corner of my eye in the hands of my four-and-a-half-year-old that I wasn't quite sure what it was, but he was always wielding a sword, you know, like this. Yeah, I can hear the groans. You ought to be groaning. in <laughs> He had a three-foot, about the size of my finger, steel rod in his hand. How, where, I don't know. It felt like the devil crawled out from under the bed and handed it to him. All right. I get out of the car. He's swinging that thing around. I'm dodging it. And he goes, quack, right into the side of my brand new car. My lovely wife, knowing that this is not going to be my best moment, says, come on, kids, let's go inside for a moment. All right. After I calmed down, and I did, literally, I didn't have to sleep outside that night. I calmed down. One of the things that God impressed on me over the periods of weeks and years after that is nothing stays looking new or is new 
very long. It just isn't. 2 Corinthians 5 is a different type of new than that. It's not referring to the most recent. Paul is saying new as in a holy new thing, a brand new thing. When you give your life to Christ, when you trust Christ, God in an instant, holy new, you get brand new. Now, that doesn't mean you look brand new. It certainly doesn't mean you feel brand new immediately. But spiritually, you are a brand new creation. And he not only, he doesn't just say that. He says, like, your past is gone. Your old life, as if it was destined for destruction, poof, gone. That's what he's talking about. When he says there in the latter part of that verse, behold, it's as if he's saying, he's not saying, hey, hey, take a look over there. He's saying, whoa, look at that brand new, a whole new outlook. You're not set on a new path. You're not given a second chance. You're made a new creation by the work of God. I don't know about you, I try not to consume too much news, but I consume enough to be aware. About 30 minutes a day is all I give myself. I read, I listen to some things, and there's all kinds of things that you can hear that just makes you go, ugh, ugh, ugh. I heard something this past week that was a different type of ugh for me. I don't know if you heard it. It's about our most recent statistics regarding birth rate in our country. The idea that COVID was going to create this new baby boom, nope. Per household, birth rate now is 1.6 per family unit. Now, you don't have to be a sociologist, but that basically means this. We're not replacing ourselves. That means 100 years from now, of all the people in this room, there's only going to be 6 out of 10 of you. For a couple. Now, you can trace it to all kinds of things. It's a small piece of a myriad of things in the United States and the world that can be concerning. You can spend all kinds of energy devoted to worrying about those kind of things when there's nothing that you can do except have babies if you can have babies, which God compels us to do. But you need to understand that God wants you to see beyond that, beyond the recent statistics, beyond what's happening in India, beyond what's happening down the street, beyond what's happening in Washington or in Frankfurt or any other neck of the woods that you want to point out. God wants you to understand who you are and what you have. And one of the best places to look is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Now, we know that passage of Scripture because it says there, by grace we have been saved through faith and that not of ourselves. We know that passage. But did you know, and in verse 6, in that particular 
admonishment to God's people, Paul wrote this, and he, God raised us up with him, talking about Jesus, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? For that part of you that gets so consumed about what's going on right here around you, know this, God wants you you to be fully enraptured by the reality that right now, if you've trusted Christ, right at this very moment, part of you is seated in heaven with Christ. That's where you are. And you're there for a reason. Paul says it here. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward those us in Christ Jesus. Do you know that all of your future, a thousand and ten thousand years from now, you're going to be overwhelmed, not by how much grace, but how you will not be able to measure the mercy and grace that's been given to you, both in this life And in eternity, because of what Jesus does, what he pours out on you, is that supposed to be good? Does that sound like good news? It is good news. And it sounds like good news because it's life transforming news. Because you don't have to be locked up in your day and what's happening right now around you. It's the reality of to whom you belong. You are an object of God's kindness because of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 18, see this. He says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. And he did this. He gave you, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What God did for you, he turns right around and gives to you to do with others. Do you know If there's anything that should mark you as a believer, it should be that you are a person that builds bridges toward other people who need to be reconciled. Not only to God, but to you and to other people. But some of us take on this attitude like, I am happy and willing to forgive anybody once they say to me, I'm sorry and prove that they're actually sorry. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Giving you the ministry of reconciliation means that you go to other people. You are a minister of of reconciliation. Because of what God's done for you, you are able to do it with other people. You can help other people reconcile relationships with you. And above all things, because of what Christ has done for you and you are an object of God's mercy, you are to be a a person that points toward Jesus. I talk to people all the time, Christians and otherwise, that they find themselves times of their life where they feel like that they lack purpose. Things have been disappointing in some way. Paul's saying here, your life does not lack purpose. 
You've been given a ministry of reconciliation, and in fact, you are an ambassador. Do you know what ambassadors do? Ambassadors carry the message of the kingdom to others. You've been made an ambassador. But Paul did not want you to miss this. For all of us who sit here, some of you might be sitting here today, and you actually are wondering like, I don't know that I've ever really trusted Christ and, and looked to him fully to be my savior. Can I be made right with God? And the answer for any of you, no matter what you carry to this room, whatever shame, whatever baggage, whatever regret, whatever mistakes you have, whatever's haunting your life right now, you can be made right with God. You just can't do it on your own. This is not a work that you do. It's a work that you trust. It's a looking to Christ as your only hope. It is surrendering your life to him. Yes, you can be right, but not on your own. The work that God did is a work of reconciliation. And our relationship with God has been broken from our sin. And I know in a room like this, There are some of you that when I say your relationship with God has been broken by sin, you think about your life. Hey, guys. (laughs) I love it. Quiver's full right here, baby. I love it. You're a moral person. I talk about sin. You say, this is not... I don't cheat on my wife. I don't do all the things that I see happening in our culture. I'm a moral person. And what you miss is this. If you missed everything else, please hear this. Do you know that sin is not about morality? It's a small part. Sin in our lives is primarily a directional thing. It's our lives directed away from God and where? Toward ourselves. That's what it is. It's it's that part of you that wants to be king. It's the part of you that wants to call all the shots for your life. You want to be a good person. You also want to be a self-directed one. God, in your mind, helps you when you need it. My dry cleaner has a bell on the, uh, the counter. When I walk in, ding, out comes the person that takes my order. Ding, come, I'll pay. Ding, Lord, do this for me. Ding, Lord, do that for me. Ding, Lord, I'm in trouble. Ding, Bless my family. Ding. Give me a new job. Ding, 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 ding. God is your bellhop. God's not your bellhop. God is God. And he loved you so much that he gave his son for you to not just give you a fresh start, but to give you a brand new life. A new life creation. And you may not see yourself as brand new, 
You may certainly not feel new. But if you are in Christ, you are brand new. And if you sit here today and you want that, you can have that by turning away from yourself and turning to God and ask Christ to save you. He'll do it right now. And baptism that we're going to celebrate is a picture of our identity with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Father, thank you. Thank thank you that you've done for us what we can never do on our own, and that is bring us into right relationship. We will treat you as our need when we call on you. Other times we just kind of run our own life. Oh, God, help us. Save us from ourselves. Save us from the parts of us that never understand We were designed to be people that reconcile with you and bring other people into reconciliation with you. Help us to be bridge builders. Help us to rejoice in what you've accomplished. We praise you for your great grace. In Jesus' name, amen.